God is doing this thing again. Yeah, they're doing that thing again. Oh my god, uh, I've never <laughs> seen that. Is that new on Zoom? Yeah, that would happen to us when we record. <laughs> it's brand new. Recording anyway, in progress. It's a scam. It's one of those scams. Down podcast. I'm talking now. <gasps> Jesus Christ, we're a professional podcast, guys. Come on, I get it together. I apologize again I for nothing. <sighs> okay, welcome well, to the podcast, guys. Yeah, fuck it. Welcome to the Horror Throwdown Podcast, Brendan Fraser edition, where we talk about a Brendan Fraser movie and a horror movie released the same year, and then try to decide if Brendan Fraser's character would survive in that horror movie. I am Joseph Kincaid, and with me as always is my co-host Cisco Navarro and our producer Trunks. Uh, I would ask how they're doing, but they rudely cut me off, so I was doing the intro, so to hell with them. Today we were talking about the year 1997 and the film's Door to the Jungle, and I know what you did last summer. You guys want to hear some facts? You want to hear some no. facts about 1997? No. I want to hear facts. I, I don't think I know these facts. I would like to unless hear them. Unless it's another one. Unless We've been lacking on like the, the McDonald opening facts. We got one and we never got more. The one about them opening in Beijing? Yeah, that was the best fact Chunks ever found. So I've heard people say they like the facts, but you're saying people are saying they want the specific facts about McDonald's. They want, they want, they want the McDonald's facts. Okay, well, I don't have McDonald's facts on here. Yeah. Got a couple good ones. Okay. Brad Pitt sued Playgirl magazine after they ran nude paparazzi photos of him in his schlong with his then girlfriend Gwyneth Paltrow while on vacation. 1997 was also the year where Princess Diana tragically died after being followed around by paparazzi. The queen killed her. I'm not going to get into that. Hey, the Robinson get family. Sued. <laughs> I'm not going to get, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I, I feel like they scan all airwaves for any sort of mention of the royal family and they try to take it down i don't want to do that not this episode i'm really excited about this episode take it back cisco never take it back how dare you that's fine the robinson family along with major west and dr smith had adventures in space at least according to the 60s tv show lost in space which was set in the year 1997 Purell was launched as a product for consumers. It had previously only been used by healthcare workers since 1988. If you don't know what Purell is by now, it's hand sanitizer, you gross freaks. Also, an episode of Pokemon called Electric Soldier Porygon featured a scene with flashing lights, which included oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which induced mass seizures in children across Japan. A subsequent news report replayed the offending scene and prompted more seizures. Wow. <laughs> That's a dark fact. There's uh there's been four banned Pokemon episodes from the original ones, if I can remember. There was the oh. Porygon one, uh-huh. there was one where Ash was in the Safari Zone and someone straight up holds a gun to his head and like threatens to shoot him. There's one where Tentacruel got really big and this had like it destroyed a bunch of towers, and this was like around the time of 9 11. So they're like, let's never play this again. And then there's one where James had actual boobs, and so the world wasn't ready for you know uh, trans people, unfortunately. At that time, no. Oh, but, but, okay. But, um, actually, but, no. That was actually episode. really good. I wasn't expecting you to remember like all of them or give us like a brief little breakdown of it, but you did really good. Listen, Pokemon's my thing. I appreciate that. I would just like to point out that was a quick preview of Cisco's upcoming uh, Pokemon and Kaiju podcast. Yeah. That eventually come out one day. Yeah. Well, let's not bury that lead in case someone steals the idea. You know. Oh, yeah. We got listeners, yeah. boys. Patent for, pending. Uh, uh, thing. Also, which is a pretty good band. Patent pending? Yeah. I like the the Heaven song, Patent Pending. They're pretty good. Um, but I would like to introduce our guest. Literally no one was available, so you've been hearing more producer trunks right now, and he kind of just weaseled his way into this episode. Here is producer trunks, everyone. Boo. 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 I I'm so used to you say my name and I just do my little dance on the screen for you two. Uh I forgot I can talk. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't figured out how to use the power of muting someone, but I think with this episode, I'll give you, I'll give you free reign. Um, <laughs> you specifically asked to be on this episode, Trunks, because you have I a... fought, you fought for this episode. I got, I think, uh, after Cody, I think I was offered first choice of episodes. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, Cody a... came out of the gate and just asked for an episode like, immediately. I, I am such I... a big Freddie Pence Jr. fan, Trunks. I mean, I, mean, I who I... isn't? <laughs> I actually hadn't seen. Um, I know what you did last summer before this. So I'm very thankful that I finally filled in that 
that gap in my 90s horror history. But um, the reason I, I fought for this one is George of the Jungle is one of my favorite childhood movies. So I, well, I had to be here to talk about it. You know what? Then, then let's talk about it. All right. Let's talk George of the Jungle. George of the George, Jungle was George. released on July 16th, 1997 by the director Sam Weissman, who also famously directed the hit film Dickie Roberts, former child star. This movie is about I a man. I believe Brendan Fraser has a cameo in. He has a cameo in it, yeah. As George. Um, a man named George, played by Brendan Fraser, is raised in the jungle by apes, and he falls in love with a wealthy American heiress. This movie had a $55 million budget and ultimately made $174 million worldwide. So a hit for Disney standards. It currently holds a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 41% audience score. Uh, let me just say this right now. It deserves way higher than that. Yeah, I can agree with that wholeheartedly. I think this, this was is, very fun. I, I think this is one of those movies that uh, f- when it came out, everyone watched it and was like, oh, this is super dumb. It's just for kids, which. Yeah, sure. Um I feel like but it's, I feel it's like hard to it, say it's for kids. It was so meta too. I I feel like now going back and revisiting it, I like when I watched it as a kid, I was like, yeah, this is silly. This is goofy. I love it. Now I watch it and like the level of silly and goofy is is something I haven't seen in any other movie. It yeah. it it's actively being a live action cartoon mm-hmm. in a way that even things I think that have tried to emulate being a cartoon have failed like this i don't know i i could ramble about that forever but i i'm just like shocked how much of this movie kind of perfectly fits the 90s like my interest my humor the (laughs) 90s Uh, it might be that the reason this fits my humor is it developed my humor but who knows (laughs) yeah i could see that i was actually gonna say that trunks um these like the jokes in this movie this is like your humor so i can definitely see that like it's just it's so silly it's so goofy it's so fun one of the facts I read about it was that the producers and the writers actively were trying really hard to incorporate everything they could from the cartoons into the live action movie. And with that being said, a live action movie, you know, it's based on a cartoon. I thought it looked like really good. I thought the CGI was actually pretty decent. There was only a couple scenes and shots where it clearly looks dated, but I think it holds up um, extremely well. Does a good balance of it, it only used CGI when it needed to uh, mostly for like background stuff. I, I yeah. think they sneak in a lot of good puppet work in there and yeah. uh, a lot of animal, like actual animals on set, which nowadays I I'm not super on board with. Like we have the technology <laughs> that we don't need to, to, you know, control animals to amuse us, but. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They absolutely did not give a fuck in the nineties. Yeah. You are trying to when take came to what they jobs made. away from animals trunks. I, no, You're animals don't need an, jobs. Animals need to start an people animal to feed union? them. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, are we starting an animal union, Cisco? <laughs> um, You're exposed now, Trunks. I, I don't know why I'm suddenly bring. I, I don't think I've ever in my life been like, you know, they use too many animals in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but just like right now, I'm suddenly like, they don't need that. I'm yeah, glad. Uh, the the one thing I'll say is I'm glad none of the gorillas are real. What? And, are you None trying to the... tell me ape named ape the talking ape in the film voiced by john cleese is not a real animal that no, is not a real orangu- ape it was an orangutan in a ape suit yeah wow. yeah it's none of them are gorillas there's a couple orangutans a couple um couple stage hands <laughs> and just the disembodied voice of john cleese inside a gorilla suit <laughs> well like i said earlier um brendan fraser plays george who in the opening credits is revealed to be he was a young child who after a plane crash everyone miraculously survived a plane crash but he went missing in the jungle and was just instead raised by apes you fast forward 25 years uh leslie mann's character ursula is um she's going to go look for this great myth of like the great white ape in africa and uh spoiler alert the great white ape is george uh, she is tracked down by her fiance, Vile Vandegroot, played by a psychotic Thomas Hayden Church. I think she's she just last... a rich person trying to not get married by yeah, going to, to she's Africa. Her, her last days out. Well, she was like a rich person 
who like she, I, I feel like her character definitely sold it like she cared about like you know nature and the animals and everything too like a like he's I mean, a humanitarian type i should say yeah, there's there's she, a different definite line where you can tell she is there trying to really experience and kind of take in this moment which she knows will probably be her last fun moment before getting married yeah um which you compare that to like when lyle shows up he's clearly just, just a like, bad goon He's just like, where's the, where's the Marriott? Where's the bartender? Yeah. Like someone get me a, a dry martini. Right. Just a, and his two just henchmen who were with elite. him. I, oh yeah, she was San Francisco elite. Yeah, they were the elites of San Francisco. Hmm. Um, now I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, there's just like so much going on here and just like such a short runtime. Like they really jam pack this in with so many jokes. Some of the notes I took, they made a clear conscious decision to not have anyone die in the movie and to say that they just get really big boo-boos <laughs> i which if I that's it, not yeah. a trunks joke that, I don't know that what is. is i i think something where is really important to mention is there is a a narrator doing a voiceover this whole time yeah, who yeah. is this like is as much of a character as anybody else in it he, he's like an uh he's basically just like a God because every now and then he will comment on things happening in the scene and the things yeah. change. Like he, he has control over what's happening. He is just like constantly talking directly to the audience and to the characters. Like, yeah, I think it's one of the, the best kind of running gags through it is just every other line. The narrator has uh, kills yeah. me. the narrator voiced by the great Keith Scott. He, um, he really, really crushes the narration in this role Mm -hmm. Um, like because as a kid you know in 1997 i saw this as like oh george is spinning a um like a lion on his fingers you know very fast this person is falling head first into elephant poop you know what i mean like there's a lot of like physical like kid humor like that and that elephant bit was great too when one of the guides breaks the fourth wall and says, this is a very important piece of physical comedy. This is now when we're all going to look and throw our heads back and laugh. Are you ready? Yeah. And they all just laugh <laughs> at this man. I, that is, I, those porters are, are some of my favorite characters in this movie too. Just because the they are great. <laughs> at, at, well, the one thing I, I want to point out is the, the head porter is played by um, Richard Roundtree who um, shaft him shaft. Yeah. So shaft is in this, which yeah, I'm so like I of course as a kid I had no clue who anybody was in this like I <laughs> even the famous people like really famous yeah. people I was just like I don't know you but going back and watching it now just being like oh like Shaft is in this John Cleese is in this yeah Holland like, Taylor's in this like there's a and, lot of people in this yeah movie. yeah Sorry, I think I watching this movie oh no you're fine I think listening not listening I think watching this movie at a young age and Leslie Mann's just portrayal of Ursula is just so nice and caring is a reason why like, I've always liked Leslie Mann, even to this day. Like I'll defend I, any role of hers. I, I totally agree. Cause I, I remember when um I want to say 40 year old virgin came out and she's pretty annoying in that. I, I think by design. Yeah. Um, and I remember people being like really negative about her performance. And I was like, no, she's great. Yeah, and if they, I think back then, if anyone was like, "Why do you think she's great?" I would never would have been like, "Well, have you seen George of the Jungle?" But now <laughs> it's I would, one of those I'd things where nepotism finally, like, nepotism worked out for Joe Apatow and Leslie Mann. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy her in his films. She's like, honestly, one of the best highlights out of all of them. Let's see what else do I got here. Uh, here are some notes I found. This movie opened, like I said, July sixteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. It opened up at number two at the box office. Right behind a reigning champ who was number one for the previous three weeks. Can you guess what it was? A huge 1997 hit. Titanic. No. I know what you did last summer. No, that came out in October. It's a franchise. It's a big franchise. Oh, um, 97. Was it a Terminator? That doesn't feel right. Close enough. Men in Black. Oh, Oh, that makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah, the first Men in Black movie. Um, I also read that. So the ground in the jungle like the shots where you see them on the ground. Yeah. It was made out of mashed potatoes. I've seen that fact too. I, I think that might just be, there's a couple times where George falls into the ground and it, there's a perfect outline of his body. I always assumed it just meant when that was happening. I don't know. Like after I read that, I've, I've watched that ground and it, 
they're not walking on mashed potatoes. It, it doesn't because with the with the fifty five million dollar budget, that's a lot of money they can get <laughs> for mashed potatoes. That's, yeah, that's true. That's a lot of spuds you can afford. That's a lot of spuds. You know? That's actually what's inside the gorilla suit of Ape. It's the the voice <laughs> of John Cleese and fifty five million dollars worth of mashed potatoes. <laughs> Just a, a sentient mashed potato creature. <laughs> the creature from the the black uh, spud. Jesus Christ! I also read that. Leslie Mann really did fall in love with Brendan Fraser. As they hey, were I got that same note, baby. Yeah, like he's so charming in this. He is, and he's fit. We'll get to his stats in a, in a no, second. Don't forget, but... don't forget the scene where he's he's. We find out he's packing. Oh yeah, there's they, they straight up. Bit. They're like they're like they're just like staring at him. There's some raunchy humor in this for a I, Disney film. Yeah, I I'm very comfortable to say I I think some of my first awakening moments as a child may have come along with this this movie (laughs) Uh, there is just i don't know i i think it's one of the few movies i can think of as a kid where i connected emotionally with the like romance storyline yeah uh the the kind of him going to ape and being like how how do you get a girl to like you Right, and Which I feel like as a seven-year-old, I was like, yeah. "Huh, I've thought that." <laughs> right, Trunks always likened himself to a gorilla as a small child. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked out for him. He's uh, yeah. he's engaged, so yeah, you, do, you, you did find love. I you did something right. And every I fully uh, give credit to George of the Jungle for that. I followed the steps exactly. <laughs> Rightfully so. Puffed out my cheeks, uh, danced around. Dominantly yeah, exposed to just grunts. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see what else do I got here. Uh, Brendan Fraser's personal trainer that he had for this movie sued Brendan Fraser after the film's release because he was not mentioned by name in the end credits. This personal trainer ultimately lost that lawsuit. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Very. I feel like if you want credit, you got to be, you got to get that in words before the movie comes out. I'll, I mean, right. but I'll say like that guy, I can see why he would have wanted credit after the movie came out because George of the Jungle <laughs> spends the entire movie in just a butt flap. Yeah. So, you know, if there was anything wrong with his body, he would have said right. it. Um, I only took a couple other notes because I just kind of like put my notes and phone down and just ended up watching the rest of the movie. One thing was like, I can't believe they actually shot George. He takes a firm bullet in this movie, but it's never like explained where. what's funny is they also like he gets shot and then she flies him instantly to san francisco uh, and says i'm gonna get you the best medical attention you know money can buy and she wasn't wrong because he was healed the next day i he was healed before the flight landed (laughs) like there is no (laughs) reference to him being hurt they you you see him like fully naked in the next scene or two and there's no scar there's nothing movie magic baby so he must George got shot jungle. in the George butt is built that's the only part of him you don't see yeah. maybe he ate the bullet Ooh, yeah oh, maybe teeth <laughs> but I, yeah, I, 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 speaking, speaking of things i like that yeah that she goes off to san francisco uh everyone else ends up in jail just like <laughs> she just immediately ditches lyle yeah <laughs> no hesitation i What's I, something I only noticed just this time, uh, and I, I'd like to point out, I've watched this movie four times since Disney Plus came out, so in the that last checks. year and a half. But when the two, when um, Lyle's two goons get released from jail, they're, they ask the guy, like, why are we getting released? And he says, uh, they're getting deported. But they're instantly just walking free on oh, the yeah, street. Yeah, they're just, they're just like, I feel like yeah. when you get deported, you are <laughs> yeah, escorted to the not. airport and you are made to leave. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, is that a deleted scene? Did they just say, no, 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 no. Walk to the airport. We trust you. <laughs> there um, were some, there were some deleted scenes that I read about where uh, there's one where George rescues Ursula from a pit of quicksand, which that could have been the mashed potatoes as well. Mm. Um, another one with Lyle coming out of prison with a shaved head and an eye patch on. I've would've, yeah, I've read about that, that one. Which would have been which would have been fun, and I can't remember the last, but it seemed seemed like a good time. But I definitely I I also wrote down that their dancing scene I thought was really cute. I think my favorite bit that really stuck with me as a child and still sticks into this day mm-hmm. is when the little monkey says no after Ursula asks if if it's all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because all the other That's, monkeys are being mean to him. The um, I was looking at the 
credits and there's either as the the gorillas or the monkeys are just it, it credited as additional voices is um oh, i can't remember his name now but it's the voice actor who now does the animated voice for hulk in every like marvel animation for the past like 15 years or something um and i think that might have been him doing the the little monkey no and most of the grunts for the apes well, I'll tell you this right now. You probably would have looked that up if you're being the actual producer of this episode, but you're our guest. So no Google for you tonight. Yeah, I'm taking a uh, break, sitting yeah. back, enjoying my beers. Cisco, do you have any other uh, like stats or not stats, but just opinions on Dirt of the Jungle? Like, what did you think overall? Oh, you're firmly muted. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, as soon, as, we... a, as, soon on, as the song started... Uh, I can shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, give yourself two seconds of air, so we can cut uh, all of that out. <laughs> we're, we're apparently cutting all this out. Yeah, because I just heard Joe shit his pants. No, I cut the stupidest shit out of the episodes, but I'll leave like the long causes for comedic effect, you know. <laughs> and I'd say it works out pretty well. All right, but yes, I enjoyed the intro song, the George of the Jungle song. That was a bop that got me going. And from there on, I was it was just a roller coaster ride going up, 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 and never coming down for me. I liked everything. I liked that, especially for the '90s too. That uh, they didn't really use any like cheap heat, if you will, for like you know any of the antagonist character. Obviously, they kind of danced around like the subtleties of like you know the white people being from civilization and the tour, like the guides being from Africa. There was a joke where he was like offering them like his, his camera as a peace offering and then he's like oh i prefer my 36 millimeter it gets better focus and your camera's dirty yeah so that's that about bit. the fact but they could have easily you know been cheap and been like going for anything that just could have caused negativity by being like hard racist or hard anything like that and i'm glad they didn't do that like they just kind of subtly did it but they didn't like hey go all out on it which i appreciate i yeah they, yeah, made, they... they made it like I, I feel like all the jokes were really well thought out and like not lazy like, I can't really think of one joke or bit that didn't land. And even if it didn't land, the narrator says something about it. <laughs> I, there's or definitely someone reacts no, to it. There's definitely no jokes that are kind of punching down. Everything is kind of like, here's a here's just a funny situational thing. They're never yeah. kind of like, hey, this person, this group, this anything. There, there's nothing where they're ever kind of like trying this, to disparage anybody. It's always... No, yeah. I and I mean, maybe that's because it's a kid movie because uh, we've yeah. seen movies from around this same time where right you know they, they go for the cheap the cheap jokes. they do um they really go for the cheap laughs here but everything like i feel like every joke really does like serve a purpose as far as like the scenes go cisco i know you like to do the stats but i i, I kindly ask you if i take the reins here yeah let me let me just uh put i won't say the stat but i'll, I'll give you at least uh the stats on the line so that way that'll you know maybe okay go okay. off on your thing uh, obviously, you know, I have a degree in zoology. That's actually true, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lion, even though they were supposedly in Africa, and even though this was actually shot in Hawaii, remember what I was looking up on Wikipedia? Uh, yeah, it was shot in Hawaii Asia. and San Francisco were the two filming locations. So that's, yeah. So everything was always off. But the lion they used was an Asiatic lion, a male one, because it had the mane. Uh, those can weigh up from anywhere from 350 to 420 pounds. Joe, you finished the stats. Okay. Here's George stats, okay? This man is 25 years old. He is strong as hell. He just smashes into trees, no problem. Yeah, he gets a little headache, a little boo-boo, but no, he's going full force into those trees. He's swinging on vines with like one hand. I don't know what your like what is his body, what's his body weight in here? Like 200 pure muscle? Like 215, For his height, muscle, yeah. easy. Yeah. Pure Six muscle. Three, yeah. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. He's lean, he's mean, he's a vine swinging machine. He's going in there hot. He spun that lion on one finger. 420 pounds of pure lion. Pure lion on one finger. So what's the math on that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, divide, I don't know. That's a there's lot. no math to explain that. Yeah. That's a lot. And at that velocity where he was spinning him, he literally clotheslined that lion. Yeah. Took him down. Took him down hard. Okay. And also, probably the most important stat, he scaled the Bay Bridge. Yeah. Actually, fun too. I, I read that that was actually Brendan Fraser doing that stunt. Yeah, because he's a lunatic. This is before he started hurting himself and yeah. got into all of his woes. I, I this think man is indestructible. Couple good points to bring up is um he is the most likable person 
in the world. The the only people who don't like George in this movie are like Ursula's mom, who's super greedy, and then Lyle, who's oblivious to anything yeah. that isn't him. I feel, I feel like, like Leslie's. Uh, I feel like they would. The mom would have liked George if she wasn't falling in love with him. She probably liked him otherwise. The only reason she doesn't like him is because yeah, she's I, I think so. Um, That's how likable he is. Yeah, this man is incredibly likable. All right, he took a bullet. He took a bullet and instantly healed the next day without any medical care. I mean, that's like Wolverine level. That's that's healing. Wolverine level. He ate an entire jar of coffee. Okay, and, and just die. went going. He just yeah, he, yeah, he just yeah. kept going. He, he took his head. Pants. He he took a van door to the head. Okay, and we've all seen what happens when a car drives by something. We've all seen movies with <laughs> severe head trauma. Okay, he took that door like a champ. He also, and I think this can be very important for uh, comparing to I Know What You Did Last Summer. He can talk to animals. Like, he can talk to all types of animals. I don't know he how did. that will help with he, I Know What You Did Last oh, Summer. He, he, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. He don't did, worry. He okay. did have that scene where he was walking around like Fabio with the horse and all the women were swooning. Oh, what do you mean all the women were swooning? I was sitting here on my couch in the afternoon fucking swooning. Yeah, he's fucking hot in this movie. I I said last week that he was hot in the air I breathe. Completely different hot. I I remember a couple weeks back on the Journey to the Center of the Earth episode. I remember you guys saying that you thought he was in like peak physical condition in that movie. And I remember at that time being like, no, he was in peak physical condition in George of the Jungle. This is the it's, like physically. This is the best he has ever been. It's clear you don't listen to these episodes, Trunks. Even though you're <laughs> on our recording with all, we said he was peak physical condition in the Mummy, which is true because this movie and when Stephen Summer saw it, like I mentioned on the Mummy episode, George of the Jungle is the reason why Brendan Fraser got the role of Virgo Khan. Yep, I, I can definitely see why. But this 100 percent is he was he was more muscular in, in the Mummy. This one he was more athletic looking. Yeah, he was more athletic. I'd say maybe more muscular in here, but he's definitely like. Well, he was more toned. He was more he's toned bulkier in, in in the mummy. Yeah, but, yeah the other one he he accumulated mass like a bear. Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. Any other final words on George of the Jungle besides that everyone should watch it? I um I don't know if how to phrase it in a good way that makes it worth being a point, but I found his character in this to be uh, the closest character that we've seen previously would be Link in um. Encino Man. I feel like he's playing kind of that same level of goofy fun yeah. while also kind of not knowing how the world works. Yeah. Everything else we've seen him in, he's very kind of world smart. And these ones, he's just very like... Charming. He's just like a, a lucky child who stumbles through life and everything's perfect. Sounds like Sam from Trick or Treat. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Lucky Shout child. out to Sam from Trick or Treat. Is every episode from now on just going to be telling people to watch Trick or Treat? Yes. Yeah. Okay. After I'm watching okay with it that. again, I you know I forgot how great that movie is. It's so good. It's so good. If, if for some reason <laughs> you're listening to this episode and not a Trick or Treat episode, one, I don't blame you because we got two heavy hitters on this episode. But just please go watch Trick or Treat. My offer still stands. If you want it, if you want to watch it, I will literally buy it for you. Um. Okay. Any final final thoughts on George or? Now let's let's talk um let's get into the horror part, baby. Yeah, let's talk about some spooky shit. That's where let's I go. come in. Papa Bear's here. What's the horror news, baby? All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I always thought, you know, maybe I was gonna be Papa Bear, but I think uh, you know Dude, we could all talks. agree I'm Papa Bear. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no, you're baby bear trunks. You've been baby bear trunks for years. Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take grandpa bear. God damn it. Grandpa everyone loves hey. grandpa. Fine. Believe Fine. you don't remember how the story of the three bears works, Cisco. There's Papa Bear, there's Baby Bear, and there's Mama Bear. What about Dog Bear? Okay, I know what you did last summer. I know what you did Cisco last summer. Gone. Came out October 17th, 1997. Directed by Jim Gillespie, who, according to Joe, has a very thick Scottish ac- accent. Oh, he's got a thick accent. Screenplay written by Kevin Williamson, who also did Screams 1 through 4 and the upcoming... 2022 scream which i did not know was happening until i read his uh filmography so excited about that you know actually ethan good... krueger did scream four scream three i said screenplay 
Wow. Okay. All right. You're right. You're right. All right. Go on. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's been connected to all four movies, but that's good. My he bad. also, yeah. He did. Yeah. He also did the screenplay for Halloween H2O. Hell yeah. I don't want to go into Jim Gillespie's uh, filmography because the only one I remember is 2005 Venom. So he obviously hasn't done much. Yeah. We know which, which is, is the superior Venom. Which is weird because Jennifer Love Hewitt said that this was like one of her, he was one of her favorite directors to work with. So I wrote that down too. That I don't know why she he said didn't. he was hands down like her favorite yeah, director. Just fun. This movie had a 17 million budget, made a whopping 125.3 million. Star studded cast. If you look back at it now, you know, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Geller, Jennifer Love Hewitt, obviously, uh, Johnny Galecki, Galecki from Roseanne and yeah, Galecki. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Fuck yeah. the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> we're not going to reference that show on. We're not going to reference that on this show ever again. Okay. You understand me? When we're doing our Muppets episodes and we have yeah, to Muppets. talk about Jim Parsons. That's okay, I'll give you Jim Parsons that episode. <laughs> this uh, movie was based on the 1973 novel of the same name by Lois Duncan. A little fact about her too: she wasn't a big fan of the rewrite because in her original book, no one died. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of like a more of a mystery, but they sh- turned it into a slasher film. After the success of Scream, uh, of Scream, this movie was like immediately uh, fast tracked into production, which was pretty cool because uh, I think this was actually pitched from as we know, it was pitched before Scream, but they weren't just interested in it. So thanks to Scream, a lot more movies got chances. Scream what, always holding. Uh, what year did Scream come out? Joe. Scream came out in 96 and then okay. Columbia Pictures immediately like he pitched I know what you did last summer for a while and no one wanted it yeah like don't, don't um, talk to me and then he did Scream which was just literally re- revamped the slasher genre and Columbia my, Pictures was like yeah, yeah we're buying the script now one of my first thoughts while watching I know what you did last summer is it felt like somebody had just watched Scream and was a really big fan of Candyman, and was like, I'm going to take concepts from both of these movies and put them together, uh, and not just because the guy uses a hook. Like, there's a conversation pretty early on where they're telling what is basically the same myth the story yeah. that um a lot that of Candyman on, is based off of. Right. That was actually on purpose. They were doing that to set the the urban legend up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but funny you mentioned that because yeah, like Scream was obviously a satire on slasher. So when they did this movie, they actually did that. Like they wanted to focus more on an actual slash movie than what they did with Scream. So I think that's probably where you get that vibe. And obviously, the the Scream writer from it was on was attached to it as well as you know they were actually trying to make a horror movie. Even though it made you know a good amount of money, I would say kind of in the middle with uh, with the reviews. Rotten Tomatoes has it at forty three percent, and the audience has it at a forty percent. Uh, so you know, not in the, in the mix in the mix category. Yeah, for like a horror movie, that's pretty... Not bad, not bad, yeah. I'd say it's like very standard, especially for like Rotten Tomatoes. Especially Rotten Tomatoes in like the the 90s, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that the audience isn't a little bit bigger because like I said, we've obviously seen those horror audiences usually a lot higher than the critics rating. Yeah, I have an issue with that audience score. I'll get into that in a second, but go (laughs) on, Cisco. I think with Rotten Tomatoes scores too, any movie that came out before Rotten Tomatoes they don't um, always do as as much of a critics like they, they don't scrape as many um, reviews to to put yeah. into that just because they actually have to go look for them. It's not just all over the front pages as stuff's coming out. What That's is right. the what is the critic from Ratatouille think? Uh, I'm not going to dive into that. I, <laughs> I wish I had a witty response. <laughs> he always tries to bring up Ratatouille, and I'm fucking sick of it. I approve. <laughs> Ratatouille is, is is a good movie. My it's, definitely top tier Pixar. Ratatouille good, is top to middle tier. It has a good it has a good message. Yeah, let rats is what cook. to let a rat cook your food. Yeah, yeah that's rats, a great baby. message. Yeah, rats know a lot about food. Yeah, it's not to judge a person by their looks. Well, I think uh, it's it's don't judge a person by their their upbringing. Okay, so their, I know what you background. did last summer. So. Let's get in the synopsis, baby. Do you love type O negative? Do you love the offspring? Then this is the movie for you. Four friends bounded by one tragedy. A year later, it all comes back. Hook boy has come for vengeance. Do you like movies where everyone is perpetually angry? Or where Jennifer Love Hewitt pouts for 90% of the movie? Well, I got the movie for you, baby. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. 
just want to be wanted to be sure. Um, that is how I how I met your mother. <laughs> yeah, no, that was actually like pretty pretty good self-explanatory log line. So it's pretty much like like a tragic accident. I like that they used the song DUI by the offspring. So that was pretty good, like foreshadowing. Even though Freddie Prince Jr., who was driving the car, wasn't under the influence, it was clear that Ryan Flippy was. So yeah, they ultimately hit someone. They find the man dead and they decide to like dump the body in the river and, you know, say the secret stays between us. Like no one, no one knows about it, which I, I, what my issue was when I was watching this, I've seen this movie before uh, when I was younger and I only watched it like one time, but I've watched scary movie countless times. So I was just imagining like all the scary movie lines and bits from this movie while I was watching it. That happens to me a lot watching kind of early nineties horror movies, like even, um, scream They'll, i'll be watching scream and i'm waiting for scenes to happen and it's not so later i'm like that was from scary movie oh no and the scream is on a whole nother level for me i'm excited for our scream episode because i know cisco does not feel the same way i like scream okay i was wrong cisco does like scream okay i just didn't like the scream Two like meta intro like them on the classroom that one felt a little weird to me but i know some people love it some people hate it some people have a rat in their hat okay who okay. knows? All right, that's the second. I'm keeping tabs now. How many times you fucking reference Ratatouille on this goddamn show? Um, Ratatouille. This is what happens at the Fisherman's Wharf on a Saturday. So, so some think. people just have rats in their hats while they're fishing. It's, it's what well-known fisherman lore, Joe. <laughs> yeah, we're this. I don't know fisherman lore. I don't. Okay, I'm clearly, sorry. clearly. Otherwise, you would have been more prepared for all the fishing references. I'm not the one who lives on Fisherman's Wharf. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't have money like you. Right. So, Trunks, what do you think of this movie? Um, How many times have you seen this movie? This was my first time watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. I, I actually was, during the final scene, there's the the big kind of chase on the boat. Um, I remember yeah. in, like, middle school, I went on some trip to, like, Disneyland with a bunch of people. And we watched, like, part of a horror movie in the hotel room which was people being chased on a boat, which may have been this, but like, I remember that scene being during the day and the scenes at night, but the entire time I was watching that, I was like, have I seen this? And that, that was driving me crazy. Overall, I really respect this as being, I think uh, outside of scream, one of the kind of tent pole kind of nineties teen scream movies. So I, I really appreciated it for that, but I, I was a little underwhelmed. I think I should have seen this 10 years ago to really have appreciated it. I can agree with that. Interesting. So I think I appreciated it a lot more now. Um, what I remember, it was interesting because when I was rewatching it, I like completely forgot about that sequence where she's in like the ice room yeah. on the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember that. Like that was like a distinct memory that just came out to my forefront. What I remember about it from when I was younger is that and it still holds true to this day is that this movie does rely a lot on like jump scares. Yeah. Um, where like scream really doesn't, you know, but I remember like the jump scares, especially at a young age, like really affected me. So I was like, no, this movie's fucking horrifying. You know, like even Cody said he watched this movie and one of the scares was like traumatized me. Uh, what, what jump scare scared you when I was younger, when he pops up and grabs okay. her crown before they dump okay. the body. Calm down the killers. What? Explain um, your joke. They have a song uh, about being young, right? While we were young, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I completely forgot the song right now. Okay. This bit yeah. really landed, Cisco. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's like several big like jump scare sequences without this throughout this movie. And I think I just kind of like wrote it off because of it. But something that I think this movie does really well is like it it prompts a very important question. Like it, it it's like a morality question like what would you do in that situation you know if, if something tragic happens to you and some of the people like i read some of the like some articles where they were like that was you know when they dumped the body that was like symbolizing their loss of their childhood and move into adulthood because they like lost their innocence that night they were uh, teenagers like kids yeah they were teenagers and as you see like as the movie does a time jump to a year later that none of them are on the path that they're on like jennifer love hewitt's character is just like completely dead inside and i thought pout she baby. sold that like really well pout um, city baby what pout city she was pouting like 90 percent of the movie oh yeah she was very pouty in this movie <laughs> i thought you were just talking about random uh just just saying things now um <laughs> yeah i thought that was great like she really like sold that like pout 
I feel like during the the horror, like some of like the scarier sequences, it, it got kind of hammy. But I think all the sequences between Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Gellar's character were like very sweet and sincere. And I feel like they got two of like the best like actresses at that time to be in this movie. And they definitely like elevated this to like another level. So many people have also said that Selma Michelle Gellar's character, Helen, like her chase scene is one of the best chase scenes in horror. It's great. Just that, it's great. that was really that good. That was a great it. sequence. I she went through the, hell during that I hated the ending of it, but yeah, everything else is great about I it. I hated the ending of it. I wanted her to get out so bad. It's Even crazy then, like, that um, this movie basically has two final girl chase sequences. Yeah. Because I, and it, what's crazier is the one that isn't actually the final girl, I, I think is the better chase sequence. The, the one on the boat is interesting. The, the stuff in the ice room, I think, is one of the more effective kind of like terror moments. Yeah, like seeing both of the, great. the bodies but um just that kind of that long sequence of sarah michelle Gellar getting chased across town the killer just like popping up over and over in like new places uh, it it's just structured so well because it's kind of every time you think she's safe it gets worse yeah and i think the most tragic part about that is like she was so close she was so close to safety i the the only problem I have with that ending, like I yeah, I, I wish she survived like everybody would, but um they're f- five feet from people. Yeah, there, so there's people a, walking by the in a parade. Like, how did none of the people just like he wasn't you could see what's happening clearly. Yeah, there was no like anybody who looked in that alleyway would be like, Oh, someone is being murdered. Oh, there's but, a bunch of tires falling. Yeah. <laughs> no, they literally show him like going back and forth between like yeah. the tire pit and the wall. <laughs> the other two sequences that really did it for me the when she, sarah michelle geller comes home and it, it's kind of you see her walk past her dad she's in the kitchen and the door is closed behind her you see the killer come in he goes upstairs i thought that was one of the better kind of tension building ones because you kind of know he's in there and I just spent that entire scene kind of looking around the room being like, he could be behind the door. He could be behind the curtains. He could be in the closet, which they were definitely prompting you to think he's in the closet. And then to have her not die after that, I was like shocked. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. Cause one of my notes was um, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is that the killer fucks with them mentally and doesn't just straight up like outright attack Kill them. Cause he could. Like he yeah, could have killed them so many times on multiple occasions. Yeah, he could have killed Barry in the beginning because he just fucks up Barry and just throws him through a, a, a <laughs> freaking house. Yeah, hey, he, he, just goes through, he goes through that house shack. It's crazy that like Horrible. he very quickly, very brutally murders the guy who just was kind of involved. Like the Max, um, the, the Jimmy Galecki or whatever his name is. Let's <laughs> take his name right. Actually, I do have a... where's my Galecki heads at? I like that you brought it like, up, Trunks, because I actually have a, a reason for that. Because oh, Max's character was, was never intended to die, but they decided, or they felt like, you know, they needed to have someone die early on to establish the danger the characters are going to be going through. So ultimately, like, they actually, I think that was, like, the one of the final scenes they did because they hadn't planned on killing him. Yeah, same thing, like, there's, like, two people who died who weren't really directly involved, and that was Max and then Helen's sister, who I name blanking out right now. And the, yeah, and, the and the worst also. cop ever. Oh, the cop. I forgot about that. God. The worst fucking cop. I so I watched this <laughs> last night with my fiance, and um that scene where she sees the killer up on the balcony and she's trying to get him. What we were just like dumbstruck by is she's working her way through, like she's running up the center aisle of this like auditorium full of people, and multiple people just stand up and like grab her. Yeah, that was like what like okay she's freaking oh, out like okay okay why is I everyone you were talking like about rushing and like holding her yeah no sorry yeah, at, just, at the at the when she's trying to say barry from being yeah because when she was when she was in the parade she was just making her way downtown you know faces proud walking by and she's homebound you know but um that was a bit that was on the whim that was a good one i'm proud of that one so that was i that was one of the few times where i was just like the overall actions of people in the scenes like that was one of the only kind of contrived moments where i was really like this makes no sense 
Yeah, everything else I, I thought worked pretty well in this. The the other scene I really enjoyed, um, which now we, we haven't referenced yet, but um when uh Jennifer Love Hewitt's driving kind of towards the end of the movie, he is just kind of hearing this weird like car noise, like a clicking noise. And so she eventually pulls over, opens the trunk, and it's just filled with crabs and a dead body. Crab boys. Which I and there yeah. it is for this episode. <laughs> like that was one of the, you know, we we I think we like to to mention crabs. kind of like gore moments in no. movies. That wasn't particularly gory. But something yeah, about was just not like gory. All of the the crabs just like I don't know. The crabs felt like gore to me. Trunks, you're just setting yeah, me up for good. all these little trivia's because I actually have a trivia on, on that as well. Oh, yes, yes. I love this one. I know where you're going with this. You're going with this, yeah. So apparently after, you know, they did the whole trunk uh, full of crabs, they made a full prosthetic body of Johnny Galecki. Even more context, uh, Johnny and uh, Jennifer Love, who have actually been known each other for a long time, apparently they grew up together in the same, like, apartment complex when we were kids. She was friends with his, like, sister. So they, they have, like, some, uh, you know, history. But, yeah, apparently after uh, she saw that prosthetic bodysuit, they thought they did actually, like, killed them and so she johnny had to call jennifer love you and be like no i'm not i'm not crab bait like i'm not dead yeah <laughs> which i thought johnny like his death was dope in this yeah. i was like that i was forgot a, it was good because yeah, it, it was this it was brutal but in a, a little bit sad because like you like he really wasn't that involved he, no, just he wasn't involved at all he was a, and it was cool because they used asshole, it though like i that's i again. didn't like him <laughs> like so i was yeah, kind of that's my biggest gripe with the movie is everyone feels so like antagonizing, like fucking Barry straight up grabs like uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and, and like oh he straight slams her against her. The, the, yeah. the car and then Freddie Prince Jr.'s character is just like stands there like bro that, isn't that your your friend girlfriend even even if she has anything like you're just gonna watch a guy just straight up bully someone like that and not do anything. No, nah, that was it. his girlfriend. They straight up they straight yeah, up no, but I, I did bet just the dirty if, on the beach. Even if they weren't like girlfriend and boyfriend, if he's if like. You see him just like harassing someone like that. You need to put a stop to it. <laughs> I mean, also they just dumped a dead body in the river. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> give him a little yeah. bit of time. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that Johnny Galecki kill is dope just because um, that's like the really one of two like real like gross like gorse like that you see like the actual hook go through his mouth and like, him being pulled across the mm-hmm. table. Yeah, that was and the yeah, other... like you said, Cisco. It was added to make it clear that there is like a sense of danger for these four central characters yeah. i think the other great core moment is when um sarah michelle geller's sister gets killed uh, and there's a scene where the killer is has her on the hook and is like just carrying her uh, <laughs> kind of she's like hooks sticking out of her her stomach her body is just kind of hovering over the ground as he like drags her <laughs> that was like i it it looked like the shot from the um, Exorcist when Regan like runs down the stairs on like backwards upside down. Yeah, it was like that, but you had no spider control crawl, over baby. your limbs. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of spider was a jerk too. Oh yeah, I everyone talking about Veronica Vaughn. Everyone who's a, everyone in this movie is a jerk. Everyone who died in this, I Put feel some like respect on Veronica Vaughn okay. to die. Oh yeah, Ryan Phillippe deserved to die. <laughs> I think Sarah Michelle Gellar was the only one I was like, I you you didn't she, have this coming. She didn't deserve to die. Well, if you want this movie, but with more gore and a lesser than story, do I have the fucking movie for you? Because I watched I Still Know What You Did Last Summer today. And that's the one I remember liking a lot more when I was younger and I watched a lot. But as a movie, it, like as a whole, because it has the it has the best Cinderella baby brandy. There we go. It was a brandy podcast now. Uh, the second one, I know what you always do, was terrible. But did you ever watch that? The, watch third, that? the third one? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but since I watched these two, I might as well just go with it. You're not in for a treat. You're in for... What's the opposite of a treat? It, um, what else? What should we talk a little uh, survival? Yeah, really quick. I have a couple other notes. Um, one of my favorite lines of the movie, I wasn't really looking forward to the whole, like, what are you waiting for scene, but... I feel like watching this now and like given its context, like it's pretty good. Like I always appreciate it. Like when the final girl like decides to fight back, you know what I mean? And just says like, fuck it. And that actually led to probably my favorite line of the movie where Jennifer Love Hewitt says, I don't want to do what's right. I want to do what's smart. 
I was like, oh, that's a great fucking line. That's like, shout good, out like, to Kevin Williamson for that one. Yeah, that's a good horror movie like yeah, thing is. to say, which yeah. I feel like is always going to be followed up by the, them doing something that gets them killed. But. Right, because they they do a lot of stupid things like that in this movie. They like stop when they shouldn't. They like look around when they shouldn't. They just keep fucking running. They don't call the cops when they run over a person. I that scene, like you can tell how abusive Ryan Phillippe's character must be if they all somehow hear him freaking out and are like, "Yeah, he's right. We have to do what he wants." He's the only one who like actually caused a problem there. Yeah, like cops show up, up to that scene and they're like, "What happened?" He was like, "He was drunk as shit, uh, hanging out of the the roof. We were trying to tell him not to. He spilled alcohol all over us, like, and a guy hit us." Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we hit a guy. No, no way. Where um, Helen and Jennifer Love Hewitt, I can't forget her character's name, Julie. Julie, like, yeah, the characters. Even if they call, like, they wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have got in trouble. They were literally just in the seats. They weren't doing anything. Right. It could have been I, easy. If, I think if anything, thing, like, yeah, they, they would have they would have smelled the alcohol, but if they would have taken a test, they would have yeah, the, there was alcohol. I mean, yeah, but they weren't I driving. Like, they weren't behind the wheel. They were just got in trouble for... They also like, made a point of, like, pointing out that Ryan Phillippe's character was this football star in the town who was going off to be a football star in college. Right, like a rich boy. Like, much. and for where they grew, like, where this movie set, like uh, I think it's South Carolina. Like I feel like in the South, small town. Like the football star doesn't go to jail when they're about to go to college. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they the yeah the movie takes place in North Carolina, but they decide to have like a bonfire on a beach in fucking California and drive along Dawson's the cliffs Creek, of baby. California. Because I was like, there are no hills like this in North Carolina. There's just not. Yeah. Which yeah, coincidentally, was... trunks are like this one. That road they were driving on was also featured in the birds. It's, oh, it's also, I do like it's that. also highway one. Yep, that's highway I've one. Also, probably it wasn't in that ice. strip. It wasn't ice in that room. It was gelatin. It was gelatin ice. You need to get off IMDb. You need to shut your. You need to shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> you need to tell me what to do. Extensive research. He read four behind the scenes books. He watched three documentaries. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did my, maybe I did my research this episode. Maybe he skimmed the IMDb facts page. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it's ultimately revealed that the killer who's stalking them, his name is Ben Willis, and he was a fisherman who killed... I don't know. It, it got kind of weird, like his motivation, you know? I I think his motivation is just like... What he says, like, you, if you kill a guy, leave him for dead, or else he'll come back for you. Right, and then he pissed. decides to plot obviously, his revenge for a year later. Yeah, obviously it's shown he's a vengeful person, because, spoiler, you know, the person... They, they thought was coming for them had actually been killed by Ben because he killed his sister, I believe. He was in a car. He caused a car a crash. Crash, yeah. That killed the actual killer's Ben's daughter. Sister, sister, yeah. Daughter, daughter is what it was. And then, oh, that's right, that's right. After he killed that guy, they hit him with a car, yeah. and he doesn't die <laughs> somehow. And he, I think, at that point, he just has a taste for killing. As they, they, yeah, at that point, like everyone's pops up, as his he's eyes open he in the water. He's either ha- just has a taste for killing and wants to kill more, or he's trying to kill them because he's worried they could figure out he killed the guy who killed his daughter. Yeah, I the the motivations make no sense, but it's the kind of movie where by the time they reveal that, I'm just like I. I've stopped. Oh yeah, you're like okay about that. Yeah. It, that wasn't something. Like, point something yeah, it was. It was kind of like a whatever reveal. It connected stuff. It wasn't like too over convoluted, which was nice. Obviously, that's what I liked about this movie. Plot exactly, holes, but... Cisco. That it wasn't wasn't very convoluted. And I think Ben Willis getting his arm sliced off was pretty fucking cool. Yes. But he also has his arm again in the second movie. So I don't know what to tell you. I and also the like right at the end of this, they kind of imply that Jennifer Love Hewitt gets killed in the bathroom by him oh you mean yeah. the same ending for the second movie <laughs> do they do that exactly yes i also wait oh and then they filmed another ending and then they filmed not in a, the things. original ending the original ending for i know what you did last summer ended up being the email. teaser trailer for the next one which is the same yeah. thing someone popping out yeah. of jennifer love yeah. hewitt okay but overall the just to wrap nice. up i know what you did the last summer. bathroom was nice that was this movie nice should have got a 50 percent at least at least for the set design yeah um my final thoughts on I Know What You Last Summer, it, it was a lot better than I expected. 
very fun. It was like, it's definitely like a product of its time, but not like gratuitous nineties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's definitely flawed, but I think as far as like the revamp of slashers go, like this was good. Like it, it checked off all the boxes. Yeah. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it was very fun. I would definitely rewatch this again. Um, and I'm glad I bought it and the set of the other movies. And uh, yeah. So, so what do we think? Trunks, do you have any final thoughts? On an, I know what you did last summer. I, I agree. I, I think it's, it, it's very uh, a movie that shows what the time was uh, in, in horror specifically, which I think is good. I think this movie will always suffer from uh, comparisons to Scream just because yeah. it, it came out so close to Scream is a decently close kind of storyline to Scream, just teens getting killed off. But um, I, I actually, as much as I have sat here and made those comparisons over and over, I, I don't think, um, I don't think that's a fair comparison just because they're different enough screams kind of poking fun at what one satire and one's actual slasher. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think what elevates this to like another level is definitely Jennifer, Love Jennifer Love Hewitt's and Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance. Yeah, I think they did excellent casting with those two. Oh, okay. The one other last thought I have is that uh, all in my knowing of this movie, I've known it starred Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. And knowing now that they are married in real life, I because of this movie. Uh, yeah, I guess like this must have been early on when when they've met. But I always assumed they played a couple in this movie. So in the first five minutes being like, wait, they're not together, just like uh, broke me. It, it took me a while to like, in my Trump. mind, be, like remember who the couples were supposed nope. to be. Fred and Daphne, baby. Yeah. Trunk, yeah. Trunks, once again, another lob to another trivia. Even though they're all supposed to be four best friends, uh, Pretty Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar's character only speak twice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, throughout the whole movie. Very, like he's barely in it because they were definitely trying to Set up the to, red yeah. herring of him being the killer. If you want a movie with a uh, killer with a hook for a hand with less Freddie Prince Jr., might I recommend I Still Know What You Did Last Summer or Candyman. He's barely in these fucking movies. All right. Yeah. Cisco, any final thoughts? Yes. Okay. Then go. <laughs> no, I like this movie a lot more than I thought I would when I first watched it back then. I'm a big fan, but watching it now, you know, I'd, I'd give it in the 60% is what I'd put it. I really had no issues besides I felt like everyone was just antagonizing in this movie, but the story was good. It wasn't over complicated. Like we said, the chase scenes were great. The killing was great. Uh, overall, I'm glad I watched this, you know, now or else I would have been stuck with my opinion that I had like years ago where I thought it wasn't that great. Yeah, it definitely holds up well. And I think um, as far as like I was watching this and just the whole time thinking, of george in these situations I, <laughs> and i, I think that definitely elevated that. my viewing experience i was doing that too i always try to watch the the brendan fraser movie first yeah me too so while exactly. i'm watching the horrors i can be like what what would be happening here chunks you're the guest what? i i'm the guest yeah, what do you think what do you think uh let's get to the let's get to the main cheese i i think what always comes up to be my argument generally for first reason why I would always say survival is I just rarely feel like Brendan Fraser's character would end up in the situations that cause this. I, I can't see George. I don't know. I, I could see George being the one standing up out of the top of the car, but just like if he's doing that, his <laughs> yeah. body is somehow simultaneously steel and rubber. Like the guy would have bounced off him and the guy would have been fine. <laughs> Nobody dies when George is around. Yeah, he's got that plot armor. Yeah, but uh, so to strip away as much of like plot armor type stuff from George, what I actually think would happen here, uh, I think either he would communicate with the crabs and they'd be able to figure out who who <laughs> the killer was quicker and save uh, the, the people who died. That That's why I mentioned he could talk to animals because he would be talking to some crabs for sure. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. You, uh, act like, you act like crabs have reasoning. Uh, yeah, have you never you watched Spongebob? Meet Johnny Glecky? Have you never heard, have you never heard of, of a bucket crab mentality? Have you ever heard of a crusty crab? I've actually yeah. never heard of bucket crab mentality. Do you mind explaining it? Do you actually know, you know what that is? is that no, a, that's why I asked. Where if you, you put them in cold it, water and slowly it. boil it? No, no, it's where you actually, if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, 
uh, instead of like, you know, trying to all get out, crabs will literally drag each other down. Like if one's almost close, another crab will be like, no, nah, you're not leaving. And so that's usually what people refer to people who try to keep others down as a crab, crab uh, bucket mentality. Because crabs do not give a shit about friendship. They'll just drag. If one's dying, everyone's dying. And they'll drag each other down. Okay. Can I make a joke? Can I make a joke about crab core? Make a dra- joke about buckets. All right. Well, yeah, I don't have bucket buckets, so I'll just I'll, I'll skip it for now. Anyways, we're going long on this one. And I want to apologize. Um, I, yeah, I, I think George, he took a bullet. All right. He took multiple trees. He took on a lion. He took on Lyle Vandergroot. Okay. He took on everything that life had to offer. I think he's surviving this one. He's an indestructible man. George should have died multiple times in that fucking movie. As a baby, the fact that he didn't die during a plane crash, incredible. I feel like George is also the kind of person where it's like uh, that scene where she's on the parade float and she sees the killer up on the roof. Like George in two seconds would be up on that roof confronting him. Like George would have been running headlong into this at any point. There was a lot of trees in North Carolina, so he would just be jumped through the trees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I have I have no doubt that George would survive this. Yeah, I think he survives any scenario. When he when Barry's getting chased and thrown to the that shack and then he comes up to him, George would immediately get up and George, I mean George has a fight response because as soon as he, you know, went back to Africa and was saving Ape, he was straight up fighting two goons. So if someone tried to attack him, he would know exactly to fight back. He because he's not obviously smart. He's not in uh link level dumb, but he's still has some low intelligence because obviously he ape still raised him. But he knows if you know if someone's attacking him, he's gonna fight. He's not just gonna accept it. He's gonna hands-on duel. So I think he, if I try to put him any scene, he just would immediately survive because his fight or flight instinct would kick in. And unfortunately for Ben, my boy likes to knock out 400 and plus lions out for fun. Okay. I'd say yeah, George is smart. All right. George bought a pair of brand new Air Maxes to run across the fucking jungle. All right. He can he can run at full that's just, speed. That's just financially responsible. Right. And just take that man down. One punch. Yeah. George also one punch has man, if you will. Like definite like yeah, time travel abilities. They travel from Central Africa to San Francisco and back like instantly. Anytime they want to travel, a, a, a toucan flies from Central Africa to San Francisco in a matter of hours. George, well, if well, if toucans he, are very fast. I'm no zoologist, but I I can I can say that toucans are very fast. I am also no zoologist. I you're a resident zoologist, That's Cisco. True. Yeah, better than nothing. If we ever make money off of this podcast and you get a paycheck, it will say zoologist as your title. So you can officially call yourself a zoologist. Okay, we're running along. Does he win? Does he live? Yes. yes. He, he yes. survives yes. every yes, scenario. <laughs> it's a unanimous win. He is Yay. seven and one, baby. Seven and one. No, seven yeah. and two. Damn it. I was trying to get you to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually looked it up earlier. So <laughs> I'm like, I want to have my facts straight. Um, yeah, so that's it. George survives the jungle and the infamous fisherman killer Ben Willis from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, let's see what we're doing next week. We are doing okay, yeah. Next week, we're doing the years, the year 2013 with the film Pawn Shop Chronicles. I don't know what the fuck that is, but Brendan Fraser's in it, and we're pairing it up against The Conjuring. And then we're also going to be doing a, um, a special bonus episode about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I believe we may out there. also be doing a special episode for No Sudden Move, which is the new Brendan Fraser movie coming out on Tuesday. I thought it was coming out in July. And we're doing Quiet Place yep. too. As July for 1st, edit. not June 1st. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> had everything I said. I'm I'm the dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is so what we'll, we talk about replacing you a lot. Um, hey, well, uh, Quiet Place too. Isn't that coming out? Are we doing well, by the time movie? this episode airs, we're also going to be putting up the quiet place episode so right. us saying this if you're that's listening to this now listen to our quiet place 2 episode next because that's going to be ready to go if you want but yeah cisco and i are watching a quiet place 2 this weekend we will be talking about it at length which means probably for an hour and then we did go long today i do apologize for that if, if you if you stuck around this long thank you so much we really appreciate it check us out on instagram soon at horror throwdown podcast and i'm going to make us a twitter 
and all that fun stuff. Um, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, like, comment, leave us a review uh, wherever you listen to this show on. So thank you again, producer Trunks. Uh, I apologize to the listeners who had to hear you talk so much this episode, but you know, sometimes you you have to shine, baby. Shine, baby, Everyone shine. I've talked to about this podcast always says there's not enough of me talking. So this there's episode's for them. There's, there's really this not episode's for them. Of you trunks, yeah. And then the rest <laughs> of the episodes are for our actual fans. <laughs> Very specific kid. demographic we're going with this one. The kid talks to Mira once. He thinks she has fans. <laughs> okay. uh, trunks. Thank you for hopping on the mic with us today. Um, for the Horror Throwdown podcast, Fraser Edition, this is Joseph Kincaid with Cisco Navarro and producer Trunk signing off. Watch out for that tree. Uh-huh. Hi, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! Don't do some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh.